Eden Cos here with Just Be, and we are about to take a spiritual boom. We are at an unprecedented time in human history where we are transitioning from 3D to 5D within the great spiritual awakening. This video and audio podcast is the place for you to find your truth beyond politics, your sovereignty, your voice. Let's kick up your vibration now. By the way, each episode ends with the Just Be practice to do just that. P.S. Just to know a little bit more about me, I'm a psychological empath, meditation master, dimensional healer, all the things to help you within this ascension. To learn more about me, visit me at EdenJustBe.com. And let's get this party started. Okay, Howard. Let's smile it up. Ooh, little fingers, little fingers. <laughs> okay, do you think we did good on that? Yeah. Now, you're just getting to know me. I have to shake it up a little bit before I begin. Now, it's official. Eden with Just Be Spiritual Boom in association with the Grassroots Warrior Network. Hello, Howard Richmond. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eden. Thank you. I was introduced to Howard. Well, actually, this is the first time that he and I met. Yet, uh, Colin and Miles from the Planetary Activation Committee from episode 62, which is a great one, connected me with you. So I'm so glad that we'll have this time today. And we are going to get more into music medicine as well as sound portraits. So hang on just a minute. Howard knows to be waiting in the wings for just a second. I want to encourage you guys, if you are listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, please rate it, put some comments there. If you're watching it on YouTube, which is really interesting because YouTube is uh, a shadow banning me a little bit. I'm actually, every time I go, I've lost subscribers, which just cracks me up. So like it there. If you're watching it on Rumble or BitChute, like it, you know, just put your put yourself in it, which why I would appreciate that. And one other thing I want to ask of you guys, I am going to request to the listeners and the watchers to spend cash one or three times per week. All right. Knowing that right now we are so digitally linked to banks and, and that sort of things and to phones that, and it's, I also hear that our money is tracked, even the paper dollars tracked. So there, there's a lot to this. Yet I, I feel, I feel good about requesting this for everybody just to uh, again get us away from our plastic way of living um even though money isn't really real it just right now l- let's just do it it feels it feels good so let me throw that out to you guys um knowing i officially started last week but i'm going to i'm going to really pump it up okay and howard sent me a bio i usually ask uh to get a bio that's about 5 sentences long and he did that <laughs> i made it longer because He's such an interesting fellow. Okay, Howard, may I may I read it now? Of course, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. So out of California, Howard B. Richmond is a pianist, composer, teacher, author, inventor, and empowerment coach. Since 1982, he has been a world pioneer in medicine music. For example, he is one of the first people to make the connection between mind, body, and sound vibration. He combines his music training with his channeling gift to create sound portraits, which you will get to see today because he's going to do one for me, which I can't can't wait. I'm so excited. And also uh, does music for specific 
conditions, including cancer, stress, planetary transformation, and birth. He created the company Sound Feelings in 1984 as an outlet for his music for transformation recordings. Okay, there's more. He received his degree in piano performance from UCLA and his Master of Fine Arts degree from California Institute of the Arts, where he also taught on the faculty for three years. He continues to teach piano privately, and I love this, he, where he is known as the spiritual piano teacher or empowerment coach due to his holistic insight. He is also known as Piano Teacher to the Stars or the Celebrity Piano Teacher. So on uh, one of his websites, I saw David E. Kelly there and Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. No, I said, did I say that right? Michelle Pfeiffer. Did I say that right, Howard? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So as an empowerment coach, his specialty is to help people break through their most stubborn blocks and to reach their highest goals. Okay. One more thing. He is married to an opera singer has two adult kids and his father was the late actor Peter Mark Richmond and I didn't know who Peter Mark Richmond was but then when I looked him up I'm like oh my gosh so he was often one of the most killed guys on TV and recognizable lead in the 50s and 60s so for those of y'all watching I'll, I'll show pictures he was in the Twilight Zone in 1959 the fugitive in 1963 Mission Impossible in 1966 as well as Star Trek The Next Generation, 1984. He made over 500 uh, TV appearances. And I think this is really neat, too, because we're going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, Your dad worked with the likes of Sophia Loren, Bruce Lee, Suzanne Summer. So he played her dad on Three's Company, uh, which Suzanne just died recently. So we might talk about that in Audrey Hepburn. Wow. That's even though you didn't give me a substantial resume, your resume initially was really good, but that's 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 a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first, as I asked most of my guests right off the bat, is how did you start to become aware of the great awakening of everything that is happening in our world? Wow. Well, uh even as a child, uh I used to talk to God. Uh, I had this crazy moment. I don't remember how I would have done this, but when I was seven, I looked up at the sky. I was outside and I said, there's too much pain in the world. If you can give me the pain, I'll take it. Oh, okay. What happened? Weird thing. I, I I just felt like I want to be of service, you know, that, that was, and that's affected me my whole life in my teaching and my, uh, work, the, things that I come up with to help people, um, music healing, and also a few other uh, inventions that I've done. Uh, It always seems to be with the goal of helping people. And then the side part, maybe I'll make a little money at it. Uh, But my motivation is always, how can I be of service? So when you proclaim that at age seven, how did that influence the rest? Well, I, I know you said you always wanted to be of service. Yeah, how how did that influence your from that point in your life? Uh, well, I'm the oldest of five kids, and I just you know naturally growing up that way, you're kind of like the caretaker. So I I I was already involved with taking care of my siblings and you know, being like a secondary parent if my parents went out and stuff like that. So I I was pretty good at it. 
Um, as far as my awareness of uh, the bigger picture, you know, looking behind the veil, uh, whatever you want to call it, because so many people are not quite yet awake. Uh, I, I'm born Jewish, but I'm not religious. And my parents uh, have been in a spiritual association called Subud, S-U-B-U-D, which is a receiving of the great life force energy uh, since uh, 1959. And I grew up with that. And I, uh, when I was 14, I, I felt inclined to join officially myself. So that's been a real guiding force in my life uh, because I feel that I have the ability to check in wordly uh, when I have a question or when I have something that's not clear. I, of course, I do all my external research, but I'm able to ask within, you know, uh, what is the real truth about something? And so I feel very grateful that I have that guidance in my life. Uh, and then as far as uh, how our connection through Miles and Colleen uh, with PAO, uh, Miles uh, has been a longtime friend of mine, and I told him about this book that Sheldon Neidl wrote that I had read long ago called You Are Becoming a Galactic Human. Mm-hmm. And he really liked it, and I don't know, he he really went forward with it, and he somehow became friends with Sheldon and Colleen, and he's been working with them ever since. And I remember him telling on the podcast about being introduced to that book, not knowing that you were the one that introduced him to that, and it sounds like just opened him up to, to way more. Yeah. I, I mean, he has his own spiritual awareness, and... All that, but I'm. I feel very grateful that I was able to introduce them because they they've helped one another so much. Okay, so um, knowing that your dad was famous and and knowing in Hollywood all that can come with that, uh, what what was that like? And did you ever feel that? Did he stay away from that, or was it as as prevalent then? What what would you say to that? Well, that's a good question. Uh, my my dad, before he uh, became an actor, his older brother was a pharmacist and encouraged my dad to become a pharmacist. And my dad went to college and he went to Philadelphia, a school of uh, pharmacy and science. And he graduated. He got a license in New York and in Philadelphia. And he hated it. And after two weeks, he said, I'm done with this. I'm going to be an actor, you know, because he always had that itch, you know. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because he, he's highly educated and he's aware. Uh, well, he's, he passed away in uh, 2021, but he, he was highly educated and he was aware of because he had studied pharmacology, he was aware of the harm that it can do to the brain, and he was very creative. He was a painter, a, a, of course, actor and a writer, and and he, he, uh, we we were kind of a square growing up. I, I I'm not a drug user. I, I I'm a little bit weird, and I was kind of made fun of when I was growing up, and my my parents also never 
fell into all that self-destructive behavior that's so prevalent in Hollywood. Uh, and it, it kind of was good, but it was kind of bad because he felt like he didn't get all the opportunities that he wanted. But we lived in the outskirts of L.A. and the San Fernando Valley, so he wasn't uh, entrenched in, you know, all the drama and all the stuff. And my dad really was a creator. He didn't like, you know, small talk and 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 uh, just, you know, going to cocktail parties and all that stuff. He, he just really wanted to be a good person and, and create. So I grew up with that, and I, I, I think that had a great influence on me because I, I don't like to do things that are uh, negative or self-destructive for myself or for others. So we, we kind of steered clear from that. And, but I think the downside is that uh, because he wasn't schmoozing with all the other people and getting drunk and getting stoned, he wasn't doing that. I think he became bitter at the end that he didn't have, you know, certain opportunities that he thought he should have had, you know. So, but that's just the the way this the so many industries have been kind of uh, taken over by the dark. And my my dad pretty much uh, was stubborn about that, about not not doing that. In fact, his autobiography is, "I saw a molten white light." Because he, when he was a child, he saw he had a, a spiritual experience. So I think that that really uh, tempered him. Oh my God, yeah, this is really fascinating because I'm sure y'all were not the norm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we used to go to visit my grandparents in Albany, New York. Uh, every summer and it was great fun and we went to summer camp day camp there and everybody found out that I was the son of a celebrity and I and I I I hated it I just wanted to be like a normal kid you know I didn't want any special treatment you know so I tried to I went through a phase of of not telling people who my dad was Because I, I back then, like just seeing his face, um, I think it was wasn't he in Dynasty as well? Yeah, I, and, and I think there was he another. Played, uh, he played the attorney for several years. Okay, so again, when I saw his face, it was like, oh yeah. And I'm sure back when you were younger, like he what like 500 television appearances, he was pretty pretty well known. Man, yeah, he was. He, well, the funny thing he was, he was well known, but people didn't really know his name. Yes. They recognize him. So a typical thing, we'd be all out at a restaurant as a family, and people would come up to him, and uh, will you sign my name? And they, they thought he was Ricardo Montalban or, or a few other people, and my dad would get really mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what did he do with that? Was he like, no, this is actually my name? What, how would he handle it? Yeah, no, he wasn't good at that. He had a temper, and he would blow up sometimes. So oh. that was funny. <laughs> You know, as spiritual as he was, he had a real big ego, and it and he, <gasps> he got himself in trouble sometimes. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Wow. I, I wanted to um, mention Howard. I watched one of the YouTube videos of one of your um, students, Amber Amber Tope. Yeah. I don't know if I'm seeing her. It blew me away. Oh. I mean, I, I it, it was really, she. Um, oh, I, I can't even remember the name of the uh, 
Uh, well, it doesn't really matter. She she sang and she did piano, and it was just I got chills throughout my whole self. So I knew just from listening to that that you I, I could see how you bring this spirituality and this more to your to people that work with you because what I saw with her was more. It, it was it was beautiful. So uh, yeah, tell tell us about your your teaching because I know that the way you teach and we talk about um, using spirit as well, that you do classic teaching, but it's not, it's not classic teaching. What would you say to that? Wow. What a great comment. And uh, I'm proud of Amber. Uh, She, she's a singer songwriter. And I think the movie that you're referencing was one of her original songs that she uh, performed. I, uh, I've been teaching since I was 17 and I felt a little bit shy to do so, so I only charged $5 an hour and I drove to the home. But it turned out that uh, some of my students were adults and, I, you know, when you're 17 and you're, and you're teaching a 40-year-old, you go like, wow, this is really crazy, you know, because you're accustomed to looking up to adults and here I am, the expert uh, in relation to this other person. And uh, over time, I realized because I, I, I had eight of my own piano teachers and I learned so much, you know, it's a very intense process. I don't think anything's more intense other than taking ballet. I mean, it, it's a very intense training. I was practicing eight hours a day uh, for at least 15 years towards the end wow. uh, and pretty much became a piano robot. I mean, I, I went, I was really thinking I was going to be a concert pianist, but it, Things shifted in me, and I, I decided I didn't really want to do that. But even though I had my training, I also had my intuition, and I'm able to look at somebody and see what's the larger issue about their 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 ability, why they're having a problem. Is it a physical issue? Is it a musical issue? Is it an emotional issue? Is it uh, an expectation issue because they feel that they should already be better by now because they're starting as an adult? Uh, so many people have uh, inhibitions or, or things that get in their way of their success. So I do have a really cool radar where I can just watch someone for one minute and I can immediately know, okay, you think you're having a left-hand problem, but it has to do with a breathing problem. You know, I'm able to see what the deeper issue is, and then we work on that. And so it kind of reminds me of that movie, The Karate Kid, where uh, the, the master is teaching the boy, you know, paint fence, you know, wash car. And he's doing this crazy stuff. And, and the guy said, Hey, when are you going to teach me karate? And then he realizes from doing all these, <laughs> these experiences, he was highly groomed for it, you know? So that's kind of how I teach. I'm able to see what, what a fundamental issue is. And I zero in on that. And, um, some people don't like that. They just want, you know, the instant gratification, but, uh, most people, are appreciative of my approach because I can well, because you're, goals. you're working on the bigger, bigger issue of things versus just a quick, quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do too. And I understand that sometimes <laughs> just fix me, darn it. 
why do I have to do all this work for myself? Why do I have to look at look at myself? Yeah, well, I, I've understood in the process, because I'm really into natural healing. So when I was 21, I started my own path on, on holistic healing. I, I had headaches almost every day when I was a child. And uh, I, I was determined to find some solutions. So I learned all about cleansing and herbs and... Uh, all kinds of holistic approaches, juicing, uh, everything like that. And so uh, when I look at somebody and I can see that there's some kind of block on in their ability, I'm more looking at it in a holistic way. And I don't just do the piano. You know, sometimes there may be some extenuating circumstances that are affecting the piano. The piano is kind of like biofeedback because whatever you see a person having a problem with at the piano is like a microcosm for the rest of their life. And so you can almost use that as a barometer and say, well, what's really going on in your life that's, that's affecting here? And then sometimes I help them with the larger life issues. You know, even though I'm not a psychologist, I, I can be very supportive. And then that will help them with the piano issue. Can you talk about maybe one or two of your uh, the, of people that you taught in terms of a, a great experience, like one of the one of the best experiences you've had with a student? Uh, I had. Well, it's hard to pinpoint, but something comes to mind. I I had a, a student who was about thirty years old, total beginner total beginner and you know the myth is that you can't really get good at the piano unless you started when you were a child and I hate these types of myths because I think that they're limiting so yes he was uh, very successful in the financial world so he knows how to focus so he was determined to be amazing at the piano and he wanted to be a film composer so normally people have like adults, I will say, well, just have a half hour lesson once a week, you know, practice four days a week, be, be reasonable. But he wanted to have two 90 minute lessons a week and he was practicing six hours a day. And so I said, well, he's really serious. Let me just really, really give him, you know, the high level training that, that he's asking for. And in about a year and a half, he could play all kinds of uh, Chopin etudes and everything, you know, the high-level stuff. And it was so gratifying that I could just pull that out of a hat, you know. He, I mean, I give him credit because he worked really hard, but that's very rare, especially when you're starting as an adult. Wow. So in a year and a half, would you say um, he? it was like he'd been playing for 15 years kind of a thing? Right. or? I am saying, wow. yeah, and uh, another uh, few people I've had because I, I'm very aware of the emotional trauma that we a lot a lot of us experience in life as a child and or relating to the piano. So if it, if you're forced to do a recital, or let's say you're forced to play the piano, which I don't agree with, you're forced to take piano lessons. I, a lot of my students are adults who had been traumatized by having been forced to play the piano and then they quit for 35 years because they, it, 
the parents think, well, you'll thank me later. You know, I'll, I'm going to give you what I never had. That mentality is really wrong because the child feels forced. They don't really want to do it. And then they end up pulling away for all those years because they, they, they have a negative association with it, right? So I've had, I call it uh, emotional trauma. So I help people with the emotional trauma. I, I actually have a thing that I developed to help release the, the cellular imprint of the trauma. So, and that's separate from the piano that I can do with people if they want. And so I've had some people who have had, uh, let's say, you know, when you have to play for someone, but you don't really want to do the recital, and then you have one of those panic attacks and you black out, right? And right. you have 20, 200 people in the audience, and they're all kind of trying to not laugh at you, and, and you're nine years old, and you feel like you just want to crawl under a rock. And, and then you go off the stage, it leaves a really bad imprint in you for the rest of your life about music and about self-esteem and about your uh, ability to get up in front of people with the piano or even if you have to give a speech. It, it, it causes terrible trauma. So uh, that's the kind of student that I really like working with because I happen to have uh, expertise in that and also I can identify with that because there were a few times where I had that experience where I was practicing for two years for a competition when I was 16 years old and my parents drove me two hours away to the place and I was wearing my suit and the neck was too tight and I can hear my heart beat in my ears <laughs> and I was pacing the hallways and I heard all the other great pianists you know, before me and I, and I was freaking out. So I go up there on the stage and I'm going to play this fancy Chopin Polonaise, and I didn't even know where Middle C was. I was I was having a total meltdown, and there were judges in the audience, and I completely bailed. And so all we could do was go out to lunch, and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so I know the feeling of oh, man. having a... I th- what I think is that the, the more evolved you are and the more sensitive you are, the more spiritual you are, the more prone you are to to have these out-of-body experiences. And and so we don't necessarily fit into the normal world, right? So, so, so you, you, you try desperately to be normal, but at some point you have to embrace the fact that you're not normal. You just have a different way of, of living. Okay, I have to love that. <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay, proceed, and, and, please. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to to love myself for yeah. my uniqueness and and that I also don't have uh, um, the, the typical kind of brain that you need in order to play the piano and memorize, you know, 300 pieces and go on tour I just don't have that kind of brain and, and even though I was aiming for that and I was practicing so much my gift is I love composing music I love teaching and I love uh, uh, doing my music healing stuff uh, so it took a while but I finally could embrace that and I realized well this is what I do do and I'm really good at it and instead of positioning myself that I'm a failure, or I, I, I didn't meet my goal, I, why did I waste all that time training, you know, uh, and I have a master's degree in piano performance, and I'm not a concert pianist, what, what kind of idiot am I, you know, it, it takes a long time 
to kind of make peace with that, you know? <laughs> it does. And I appreciate your uh, vulnerability and talking about that too, because, it, okay, just to summarize, like realizing that you're not less than that what you, what you are doing is just, I mean, I, I can feel Howard already just your heart. And I, when we get to the sound portrait uh, later, when I listen to some of your music uh, to help with, you know, stress or whatever, it, it was not what I expected. Cause there are all these things on YouTube. Oh, listen to this. Yours, yours is different. And I, I love that. So I'm very excited to get to that. I, I do want to ask you this question. So um, in the 1930s, uh, the dear Rothschilds, love them, not not really, but I do. I send them love and light. Uh, weaponized music. I'm curious with your standpoint on this. What, uh, taking the the vibrational frequency was taken away and replaced by the 440 frequency. I'm reading this so I don't mess it up. Versus 432. So 440 distorts the energy, distorts the frequency. What what do you think about all of that? Oh wow, you've done all this research. Uh, I'm, I don't fit, even though I'm a holistically inclined and even though I'm uh, very spiritual and I allow the guidance of God in my life every day, and even though I'm tr highly trained as a musician, and even though I'm very aware of sound frequencies, I put that in the category of disinformation, okay? Yes, please, explain okay, your perspective. Because, uh, the cabal traditionally gives little tidbits of truth to make you think that that's the real deal, you know, and then you get all hyped up on that, right? But there is no 432 versus 440. We are all unique beings and we all have our own frequency, right? Each person has its, a unique frequency. So the idea that that it was the original frequency of 432 that Beethoven had was distorted, uh, it, it, yes, maybe there was a standardization, but in Europe they do 444. They, I mean, there there's still gray areas, right? right? Yeah. And in uh, well, that's just the tuning of one note. That's the A, and then they reference all the other notes against that, but. If you talk to a piano tuner, they don't tune properly. They they stretch the tuning so that as you go lower and as you go higher, it's not just exactly this is the A440 and this should be A880 and this should be twice that. No, as you go out into the higher and lower octaves, it's a parabolic curve. So the highest A on the piano is not four times higher than this. It's actually four and a half times higher because it's it be over time our ears want to hear it a certain way right so there's already a distortion but if you go back to uh listening to just intonation or mean tone tuning what they had on harpsichords in the 1500s and there are some diehard uh, people who are purists about that it sounds awful because because we're we're accustomed to the stretch tuning in in our modern society, so I personally think to come back to your question that that distortion or that standardization that was started by 
the CIA or the Rothschilds or whomever, uh, I don't think that that is causing um, the illnesses and the the mind control that that those websites claim. However, there is something to uh, the heartbeat, which is in three four time, which is going boom 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 boom. Boom, boom. There's an organic, right? One, two, three, one, two, three, one. And when you listen to rock where that's four, four time, and you have the emphasis on the place where there would be a pause. So instead of bum, bum, pause, bum, bum, pause, it's, it's boom, boom, boom. So there's certain music, not that I don't like rock music or pop music with a, with a heavy beat. I'm not saying that. But it's not so much the tuning that is affecting us, but the rhythm is pulling us away from our true nature. It's the rhythm that often does that. And I, here's a really interesting thing that uh, my, teacher at, my teacher at UCLA, no, at, at CalArts, uh, shared with us. His name was Leonid Hambro. He was fantastic. So I'm going to play uh, the same song two different ways. One where I play the right notes and the wrong rhythm. Okay. And the other one, I'll play the right rhythm and the wrong notes. And usually you think, well, okay, those are the two primary parts of music, the, the, the right notes, which is called the pitch, and the rhythm. But... 99% of people assume, well, it's the right notes that is the most important thing to convey the essence of the song. Can you identify the song? No, I can't. Now I'm going to play all the right rhythms, but the wrong notes. Okay. So happy birthday to you. That's correct. Wow. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the rhythm conveys more of the essence of the music than the notes themselves. Is that amazing? That, yes, that is striking. Okay, so let me, Howard, this is so enlightening. Uh, so I just watched uh, this video, uh, for, I think it was the second or third time I've seen it, about the frequency of bells. And bells, like, all so many of the major bells have been taken down or cracks put in them because they're so their frequency is so healing. Tell me what you think about that. Wow. Okay, that's you're onto something that I haven't heard about. Uh, but I do know that a lot of sound healers use bowls mm -hmm. and bells mm -hmm. and the uh, the frequency see the frequency of, of a piano note has about fifteen other notes built into it. If you study the overtone series, it has the octave, it has the fifth, it has the two octaves, it has it has all these other notes that are built into it just by that one note. But a bell is very pure. So I guess uh, 
when the bell is properly tuned, and since not only do we have our whole frequency as a unique being, but each of our centers, if you want to call them chakras, are vibrating at different frequencies. So a lot of sound healers use bells because it's they're able to pinpoint a particular part of your energy field because it's a more pure tone. So if you're saying that there is a conspiracy to render, you know, church bells, you know, obsolete, and now they're all automated with electronic speakers, and it, it, I, I've noticed that it's hard to find like the old-fashioned bell that you pull. I, I think you're right about that, but I didn't really tie it in as some kind of like a conspiracy. That yeah, maybe, I have to, I have to send you that video. There, maybe there is some truth to that, just uh, systematically uh, taking away our, our life. I mean, with Agenda 21 and Agenda 30, and we, we know that there's some uh, intentions to cause us all uh, difficulty. Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, sugar-coated, but it's they, they really don't want us uh, to be healthy. So maybe that's just one little piece of the puzzle. I don't know. There's so many pieces, right? So many pieces. Okay, so I wanted to uh, and talk about some of your other other uh, products, let's call it that. So I'm going to list Howard's, uh, he calls it his relevant websites. Uh, but tell me, I'm not going to say this correctly, probably, the thought Catapulter. Okay. Catap cool. It's a it's a thought catapulter. Catapulter. Um, oh my gosh. I'm very aware of how uh, how our subconscious mind affects our reality, and there's two primary ways that you can modify your subconscious mind. One is hypnosis, which I'm not personally uh, a fan of, but I, I acknowledge that it could be useful. Or there's affirmations, but most people who do affirmations do them the wrong way. Uh, they don't understand the right way to do affirmations, so I've done a lot of research about this. And uh, the main secret about affirmations is you have to anchor the uh, whatever you're trying to envision to a positive thought. So the, the emotion of the positive energy kind of encapsulates the intention of what you're thinking of and sends it out into the universe and, and makes it happen. But I, I thought, because I've been working with people for a long time with this type of thing, aside from teaching piano, I, I help people break through their blocks. And uh, I wanted to create something that would be mindless that you can wear on your body. So uh, I, have, I invented a, a little pouch that has a magnet, a really, really strong magnet inside. I mean... Okay, so those who are listening, Howard is pulling out, you heard the wrestling, he's pulling out a literal, a literal really, pouch. It's blue, it's cute. Really, really strong magnet inside. Uh, it's okay. a neodymium magnet. And what happens is you put... Okay, what, what kind of magnet is it? Neodymium magnet. All right, what does that mean? I don't know why they call it that, but that's that's the strongest <laughs> magnet possible. Oh, then, okay, strongest. And then we have uh, these card sheets that you cut up, mm -hmm. and you you choose which ones are relevant to you, okay. and you put them in the pouch. And in the pouch, the magnet. My theory is that the magnet 
cross communicates between the subconscious and the conscious on an interdimensional level, right? So the magnet is magnifying the intention of the of the thought on the card, and you can write your own cards also. And either you you if you have a pocket, you just put it in your pocket along with the magnet and the cards, and you close it up. It's Velcro. And or uh, you can use your own chain, or it comes with a elastic uh, thing that you can strap around your leg or your arm, and you wear it. And so I've had people uh, have all kinds of breakthroughs with their abundance issues, with their weight issues, with their health issues, with finding the relationship issues, uh, just from wearing the the little thing that's kind of mindless. And it's in a way it's effective because sometimes when you are doing an affirmation, you inadvertently are saying, well, I, I, I want to find the man in my dreams. I want to find the man in my dreams. But you subconsciously are thinking, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And you're ending up sending out the exact wrong message. So when you do it in a nonverbal way, like something like this, where you're, you're not attached to it, it still can have the benefit of it without you inadvertently repelling it. So simple. And what were some of the affirmations you had written on there for those who don't, who aren't uh, watching? On the, on the website is uh, thoughtcatapulture.com. On the website, it goes into great detail about uh, what each affirmation is good for uh, and what is the antidote of, right? Uh, I am grateful for all my experiences. So, the thing is that when you create an affirmation, you're not supposed to use negative words, right? So basically what I want to say is, thank you, universe, for all the crap I've gone through. I want to say that. Right. Right? To, to express that I'm grateful for that so that I can feel deserving of something better, right? But I don't want to call it in a negative word. So I'm going to say, I think I'm grateful for all my experiences, right? Money is this one, this particular sheet is relating to abundance, but it doesn't really mean abundance only for money. It could be abundance of love, abundance of health, abundance of opportunities. Money is attracted to me and I am attracted to money. I deserve great abundance. I am super successful financially. I easily manifest great abundance. I am proud of my decisions. So I have a little explanation of what each of these uh, are the antidotes for. So I am proud of my decisions is crucial. That's a big one. Holy smokes. Basically, what that's saying is, I don't give a crap what people think, Mm -hmm. right? And our self-judgment and our doubts cause us to miss opportunities and to push away abundance because somebody else's comments are affecting us or their jealousy or, or their judgment, right? And so when you say, I don't want to say, I don't care what people think because that sounds negative, right? I am proud of my decisions puts it in a positive light, right? So uh, there's a bunch more on here, but I can send you the, the, the link to the affirmations. Okay. And actually, I think I have that. I will make sure that that is on there. Uh, can we also go in, uh, and after this, we can go into the practice because uh, the sound portrait is very, very exciting. Tell me about your stress unlocker. 
Oh, that is a very new product that I've been working on with my friend Edlena Selman. Uh, she's very, very intuitive. And so we uh, had this inspiration to create a product to help people with pain and anxiety. And uh, it looks like this. Just reaching at it again. Each one is each one is individually cast. It's cast in iron. Okay, so it looks like a key. It's a key. The stress unlocker, and it's a key. It's like unlocking your stress. It's cast in iron and then copper plated. So the iron absorbs energy. Like if you have a lot of anxiety or worry, it'll absorb it. And the copper, when you hold it in your hand for 10 minutes, is known as an electrical conductor, right? But then uh, she has this process that she does to put uh, positive energy into these. So it's not just the uh, iron and the copper. There's there's another kind of a uh, etheric quality to it. So I've already had great responses with these. With people uh, are one person used to have bad dreams every night, nightmares, and she puts it under her pillow and she stopped her nightmares. Right? Oh. Uh, uh, another person had incredible anxiety that she can't even walk out of her house and she 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 leaves this in her shoe or in her sock or she puts it on like a necklace and she feels like she can face the world. So Aww. I'm very, very grateful that we came up with this. The stress unlocker. The key to unlock your stress. And I right now, there's so much around copper and a lot of the organites that I have, uh, coppers in them. Um, I think that this, uh, I call him the wizard. This one guy I utilize for holistic health, like copper. What? Uh, yeah, what's your feeling about copper? Uh, well, you know that copper is, is, is rare and uh, thieves are stealing copper. Yes. They... they in the middle of the night, they, they open up the bottom of the street light and they, they yank out the wire and they are able to sell the copper, right? It, it's a valuable mineral. And isn't that with catalytic converters as well? Is there copper in that? I know those are being stolen some. Yeah, probably. I don't okay. have to. Oh, it's copper in You're probably right. But uh, copper is the primary, uh, it doesn't degrade. There are other metals that transmit electricity but when you have to go for a thousand miles to transmit electricity from one location to another copper degrades the least it degrades the signal the least that's that's why copper is used the the interesting thing is that before i decided to go into music i thought i was going to be an electrical engineer <laughs> and you kind of are so, so, an energy engineer so, so I uh, used to make all kinds of, uh, I, made, I made a robot when I was 14. It was a fake robot for Halloween for my brother to get inside. And it had all kinds of flashing lights and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Now, shall we move on to the sound portrait? Does that sound yeah. good to you? All right. And and everybody noticed the piano is going to be part of this too. C can you tell us what that is first? Just be practice. Uh, well, the music that I've been doing since 1982 for healing 
uh, started when one of my uh, mentor friends said that she thinks that I would be able to do music for healing. And I don't think she used the word channeling, but that's kind of what I do. It's kind of like give a psychic reading, but in the, in the piano. And I don't interpret it. I just I, I, I just get out of my own way and I record it. But what's unique about my approach is that it's not typical new age music, which is all nice ambient music. My music might be very aggressive and it's following what's called the entrainment process. I learned about this after the fact, the ISO principle or the entrainment process where it will first mate with or match your current block. And you might not like the sound of it, but as the music gradually unfolds, there's a shift that happens on a physical, emotional, uh, intellectual, or spiritual level. And if you hear it, say, once a day for 30 days, there's like layers of an onion where you can get deeper and deeper. So I'm going to do Eden Cause's sound portrait right now. And uh, it, they usually take between five and ten minutes. Okay. And, uh, and so I don't know how it'll sound until we do it. Okay, and I'm very grateful for this, by the way. All right, ready. So I'm going to take a, a minute to get in the right state, and also I'm going to turn on my recorder. So okay. I'll send you a quality recording uh, when we're done. Thank you. 
Well, here we are. What do you think? Oh, my gracious. That... Okay, give me a second to find the words. Within, I don't know how long that was, three minutes or whatever, it, it encapsulated my life. So the beginning, it felt like me as a little kid, just, you know, coming into the world and being bright and being open and then shutting all that down and blocking off to gifts, if, if you want to call it that. And then just, just this rat race. And then also this spiritual rat race, like I've got to do this. And, you know, I've been teaching for, for a while. So, you know, I need to reach this many people. I need it. Just, so all this, even though learning my, my company name is just me and my mentor laughs about that. She's like, Eden, you named your company just B and this is for you, not for anybody else. So just trying to, to help people to, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And then, then the end of it, okay, I would even put this into words. Like knowing now that through this great awakening and through my teaching or my facilitating, whatever you want to call it, that it, it doesn't matter at this point how many people I reach that I am helping folks and I'm helping myself. And if I can embody love and if I can do that for me, that that ends up helping a whole bunch of people without me having to be with people. So the, the end of it, I, I felt it in my brain, like part of my, my brain was shifting and moving. It was coming to that embodiment, that realization of that's all that I need to do that I don't, I don't need to be part of the, the, the rat race or even the spiritual rat race um, that just I can just be. So it was so poetic, so moving. And you were right. There, were, there was uh, one part when the chaotic, chaotic part was going that I could just feel the old stress inside of me, the old darkness. So I attached to that a little bit. Um, it, it, it was... And I, I'm excited. So I'll get to listen to that for 30 days. Yeah, I'm going to send you the MP3 and then you with instructions, and then okay. you'll be able to hear it uh, repeatedly. And so you may not have the definitive response, like a real healing effect, until like the 11th day or something like that. You know, is it, uh, but each time you experience it, it'll be different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might have like an emotional reaction. Some you might feel like tingling in parts of your body. I'm feeling that right now. We all have uh, different blockages and so if you welcome it the the music vibration and the intention of the music vibration to to mirror who you are and to help hold a beacon for what your potential is will kind of trigger you and help you shift it's it's not that the music is doing anything you're you're your own healer the music is just kind of like a catalyst mm -hmm. is, is basically what it is it felt like an exact mirror of me who I've been, who I am now, who I will be. Uh, it was it was like the story of my life within a couple couple of minutes, and I really closed my eyes too to attach to that, to connect with you, so it would just flow from you easier, more easily. It was amazing, and I I, 
again, such gratitude because I feel I'm going to close my eyes again for, I, I feel like I, I so need this right now. So you're such a gift to me. And again, that's what one, one of the things I love about this, this podcast show. So I've been doing it for two years now, Howard. It's such a gift to me. So yay. I hope it's helpful for you guys too. But every, every part of me says I keep to keep doing it and uh, just to get to meet Howard today, which was just awesome. If people wanted a sound portrait for themselves, how would they do that with you? Uh, the best thing is to go to my website, soundfeelings.com. S like Sam, O-U-N-D, feelings, like how are you feeling, plural, soundfeelings.com. Okay. And what about just the time that we took together, like 10 minutes kind of thing? Or can you just attach to them? Do you need to do a phone call with them or anything? Uh, well, if they're in LA, of course, we can do it in person. And otherwise, okay. uh, I can do it uh, remotely. I don't have to do it live. I mean, I could record it on their behalf and then send it to them. Right. Or, but it might be more fun to do it over, uh, you know, Zoom like this. Oh, yeah. I like this a lot. And do you mind telling, how much do you charge for something like that? Uh, the, the sound portrait is $400. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for that, too. I feel even more special. <laughs> and when, oh, Howard, I don't know if, um, oh, our, our episode, so I record episodes two weeks beforehand. Our episode will be released December 20th. So what an awesome gift for people if you celebrate the holidays or, you know, oh, I love it. I feel like there are a lot of things we could also discuss, yet I would say our time has come to an end. Howard, thank you so much for bringing yourself, and thank you so much for um, discussing the the vibrational frequencies as well. I think that was very clarifying. Um, uh, it was just amazing. Okay, anything you want to close us out with? I love what you were saying at the end about how you you're, might be conflicted about wanting to reach a lot of people, but you also want to just work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, I think all the healers in the world have that we, we, we want to touch people, but we also want to keep our integrity. So what I've understood is that just the fact that you are working on yourself and you're being the best that you can be, that subconsciously will affect others. And you don't really have to worry that you you want a larger audience or it's just the people who need to hear you will find you that that's what i feel like it's the they say as above so below you know the 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 microcosm of your uh shifts that you're going through will ripple out into the world that's for sure and yours too all right california man Thank you so much for all of your composition, composition of yours, composition for the piano. Yay. All right, everybody. Howard, if you can stick with me for just a second, we'll see you next week. Bye. You are here. Awesome. And I must tell you, I went from being off most social media to being back on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Truth Social, and you might be watching this on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, or listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Please connect, comment, subscribe, like. Yum!